This morning, the message is titled, The Purpose of the Heart. And I'm going to the book of Daniel. I have always enjoyed the book of Daniel. It is kind of the Old Testament version of Revelation, isn't it? There's a lot of mystery there. There's a lot of prophecy there. There's a lot of amazing, amazing stories there. Amazing examples of faithfulness and trust in the, in the Lord God. So I might just work my way through Daniel, but we're going to begin this morning with Daniel chapter 1. Actually, it's the entire chapter because it's only 21 verses. So hear the word of the Lord. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Sinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his gods. Now you will find as we go through the book of Daniel that he will come to have regretted doing that. Taking the articles from the house of God, the, the gold vessels and things, and taking them into a false god's house. He will soon regret his decision there to do that. Then the king instructed Asphenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking. He didn't want any ugly guys in his staff, did he? He wanted good-looking guys. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Friends, this is where it's going to be centered around this. Purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I'm going to pause for just a moment. Daniel requested that. Daniel didn't go in there and say, listen, I'm not eating that junk. I have never have. I'm not eating it. But Daniel was respectful in his request. He asked him, could you please let us not eat of that? Let me continue. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. Now that is not a figure of speech there when he says you will endanger my head. He would have literally lost his head because the king would have thought he wasn't doing a good job feeding the young men and preparing them for the palace. So he could have literally lost his head if the king would have not been happy with the results. 
So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he, consecrate, or he consented with them in this matter, and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter, fattier in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, which would be at the end of the three years, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all the matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus Daniel continued, continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we just pray that your spirit would be in this place today, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, and help us, Father, to receive what you have for us. Father, God, help us to purpose in our heart, Lord, to serve you faithfully. Father, to trust in you. Father, we trust you with our lives and just pray that we would be open to your spirits, leading and guiding, Father. And may all that is spoken here today and all that we do in our lives be for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Isn't it amazing that they were ten times better, ten times smarter, ten times better understanding than all of the magicians and the astrologers of the Chaldean kingdom? Now, do you think that these other magicians and astrologers were standing around going, Hey, good job, Daniel, and good job, Shadrach. Yeah, we're proud of you. Think they were? <laughs> no. <laughs> because folks tend to be jealous, don't they? People tend to be jealous. People don't like to see others do better than they are. So no, they were jealous of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we'll learn more about that as we go on. But today we're going to look at the, the lives, two very completely different men, very completely different lives. We're going to look at the choices that they made and the results and the consequences of those choices. So we'll mainly be looking at Daniel and Jehoiakim, king of Judah. King Jehoiakim, he was the 18th king of the separate kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah. He became king at the age of 25 years old. That's pretty young to be a king, isn't it? Think of too many 25-year-olds today that they would have enough understanding and wisdom to be a king. But 25 years old, and he reigned for 11 years. He enjoyed the dubious distinction of being the first king of Israel placed on the throne by a foreign power. By a foreign power. Because his father, Josiah, was killed in battle. 
So his younger brother was first appointed king. His father thought the younger brother was more responsible. So his younger brother, Jehoiaz, first took the office of king. Well, I know we're talking about Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, but the king of Egypt at this time, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh Necho, he found Jehoiaz to be very rebellious because he didn't want to pay the duty. He didn't want to pay the tax to Egypt. See, Egypt was imposing a tax upon them. So he removed him, put him in jail, and placed Jehoiakim on the throne. He made him king over Judah. Why? Well, have you ever heard of someone referred to as a puppet on a string? Well, that's what Jehoiakim was. He was his vassal. That is the proper name for it, a vassal. That is a person or a country that is in subordinate, a subordinate position rather to another. So he was the vassal of the king of Egypt, doing whatever he said. So Jehoiakim was Necho's yes man. Yes man. Yes Pharaoh. Yes Pharaoh, whatever you want. Yeah, you want to tax the people? We'll tax the people. You want to take people and make them serve you? Yeah, here they are. Take them. He was just a yes man is all he was. Whatever the Pharaoh wanted, that's what the Pharaoh got. And he worked through Jehoiakim. So he was his puppet on a string for the first three years of his reign as king. However, Egypt and Assyria suffered a great defeat at the hands of a new and rising kingdom. The kingdom of Babylon. Under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. So once Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians began to rule... Jehoiakim quit giving his taxes and the duty to Egypt and started giving it to Babylon. So he became Nebuchadnezzar's puppet, right? You know, I'm sure there's plenty of leaders out there today aspiring to be the next leader of the great superpower of the world, right? Seems like history has always had those that wanted to be the leader of the next superpower. Well, at this time period, it was Nebuchadnezzar. So he surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar and began to pay his tribute to them. So Jehoiakim's evil faults, which were many, some of which are found in 2 Kings 24, verse 1 through, 1 through 6. And in his days Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him raiding bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites and bands of the people of Ammon. He set or sent them to Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servants the prophets. Surely at the commandment of the Lord, this came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also because of the innocent blood that he had shed. For he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood which the Lord should not or would not pardon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Jehoshan, his son, reigned in his place. They practiced idol worship in Babylon, but also in Judah. Jehoiakim allowed the people to practice idol worship in the many sins 
that are associated with idol worship, including human sacrifice. They were shedding innocent blood. The prophecies against Judah came when Manasseh was king. Then his predecessors, including Jehoiakim, continued the evil practices. If you look at the history of the kings, there's very few kings that were faithful to God. To tear down the idols and destroy them and try to lead the people to worship the one true God, there was very few. Jehoiakim, his father, his brother, son, they were all evil men, practicing evil, shedding innocent blood. The word, the English word innocent originated from a compound Latin word, innocentus, which means no hurt or no harm. They were not harmful people. They were blameless people. They were shedding their blood. You know, when you think of that and read that, think of the blood that this nation has upon its hands because all the innocent lives that we have destroyed through abortion. Untold millions, innocent blood on the hands of the leaders and the people of this nation. God forgive us. May we turn from that. Turn from shedding innocent blood. You know, God, as always, He gave Jehoiakim time to repent. He gave him a warning. He sent the prophet Uriah and Jeremiah to expose his sins and the sins of the nation, called on them to stop. But instead of heeding the warning and repenting, Jehoiakim went to great lengths to kill Uriah. And then he sent those to try or persecuted Jeremiah. He considered Jeremiah a troublemaker because Jeremiah had his scribe Barak write down in a book all the prophecies against Judah, wrote down all their sins and the prophecies of that which was going to happen if they did not repent. So instead of repenting, Jehoiakim tried to arrest Jeremiah, but he escaped. But he took the book that they took before the king and they read it before the king. Read their sins and read what was going to happen to the people of the kingdom if they did not repent. He grabbed the book and threw it into the fire. Thinking, well, I'm just going to destroy this. As if throwing that book in the, in the fire was going to eliminate that which was prophesied against them. Friends, that will never stop it, will it? That will never stop it. Burning the book, burning the Bible. It's not going to stop the prophecies of the Word of God. 1 Peter 1, 22-25 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. My friends, the word of, the God, of God endures forever. It cannot and will not be destroyed. They've tried many times over the centuries to wipe out the Word of God, but it will never be destroyed. And one reason it will never be destroyed because it is written upon the hearts of the men and women that believe in the Lord our God. Amen?
but they purified their souls. How did they purify their souls? By obeying the truth. That is how we can purify our souls, by obeying the Word of God, by purposing in our hearts. Jehoiakim, a man who hardened his heart towards the Word of God. He purposed in his heart to worship idols. He purposed in his heart to go against the commandments of God. The first commandment, have no other God before you. His actions and the actions of those before him led to the children of Israel being led captive into Babylon. His actions are what caused the children of Israel being led captivity into Babylon. The actions of himself and those before him. So let's look at Daniel. A man who was faithful to the Lord. Faithful to the Lord in all of his ways. Verses 8 and 9 said, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. God can allow those who are faithful to Him, those who trust in Him, to find favor even in the hands of their enemy. We know the story of Joseph, but here is Daniel. He found, he and his three friends found favor as captives in Babylon. Found favor in their eyes, the eyes of their captors. But the most important thing, as I said, is that Daniel purposed in his heart. Purposed, as it's used in this passage, means to put. So it means to put in his heart. It is to de- de- bleh, can't talk this morning. It is to determine in your heart. It is to commit in your heart. Daniel had spent his entire life being faithful to God. He had not eaten any of the food that would defile, according to the, the Jewish laws, it would defile his body. He had not eaten anything that was offered to an idol. He would not eat any of the foods that were declared unclean by the Lord God. So he purposed his entire life to be true to God, to follow his commands, to be faithful, to not drink anything that was not drained of its blood. That also defiled the, defiled the man. You know, it would have been easy for Daniel and his friends to say, well, Lord, you know, we are captives here. We don't have a lot of choice. You know, we're prisoners. We can only eat what they bring before us. It would have been easy to say that, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, who could blame them? You get thrown into jail, what are you going to eat? You're going to eat what they throw to you, right? That would have been the easy way out. But does God call us to take the easy way? No, oftentimes we have to go against the flow. Everyone else is, the whole crowd's going that way. But times we must go against the flow. Because we are true to God in here. Purpose in our hearts. Make the choice. You know, recently we were talking in 1 Corinthians about the requirements that they put upon the Gentiles. Because you had the Gentiles want to eat anything. The Jews saying you shouldn't eat this, you shouldn't eat that. But for conscience' sake, they did advise the Gentiles, do not eat anything that was offered to an idol for conscience' sake. 
Not that it was going to make you unclean because we're saved by grace, but for conscience sake, don't eat it. My friends, it was the custom of the Chaldeans, any time that they ate, that they would throw a small portion of their meats and the, or any of the food and the wine to the earth as an initiatory offering to their God, to their false gods. So therefore, if Daniel and his friends would have eaten this, they would have been practicing idol worship. Because they, would have, they knew this. They had this knowledge. They, just, you know, they were going to be trained. They had this knowledge. They did not want to participate in idol worship. So he said, test us in this. How strong is our determination? How strong is our purpose to stay true to God? Good question, isn't it? Got awful quiet. Have we purposed in our heart that no matter what, we are not going to allow the world to influence or pressure us into doing something we don't want to do? Doing something that we know that God says, God's Word says is wrong. Are we going to go with the flow? Or are we going to stand for God and go against the flow? Are we going to purpose in our hearts? You know, Nebuchadnezzar changed the names of Daniel and his three friends. Why? To attempt to make them more Babylonian. To make them more like the Chaldeans. Daniel's name meant, God is my judge. His new name, Belshazzar, meant, Bel protects life. The false god, Bel, protects life. Hananiah meant, the Lord shows grace. His new name, Shadrach, meant under the command of a coup. Mashal meant, who is like God. His new name, Meshach, meant, who is like a coup. Azariah meant, the Lord helps. His new name, Abednego, meant servant of Nebo. He tried to make them more Babylonian, if you will. But as you will see when we continue through the book of Daniel, that this attempt of the king failed because they remained true to God through every test of their faith because they all had purposed in their heart to be committed to God, to be faithful to God in all that they do. Verses 17 through 20 revealed God's blessings on Daniel and his three friends for their faithfulness. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they would be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them and among all them yeah, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, again, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Because they purposed in their heart. You know, when we purpose in our heart that we're going to follow God, that does not mean that life's going to be a cakewalk. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go easy for us in life. There will be tests, because friends, there are many who have purposed in their heart to serve God that have given their entire lives, have died for the cause of the kingdom of God. 
their life was cut short because of their faithfulness to God. It doesn't mean things will be easy, but we must still purpose in our heart to be faithful to God no matter what. Trust in Him. Trust that He will bless us. Daniel trusted. Daniel knew that if he said, let us please be tested, give us vegetables, he knew that God would bless them and that they would be fattier looking and better looking in appearance than the others. He knew that. He believed that God could do it and God blessed His faithfulness in that matter. God has blessed us. Think of Gideon. God told Gideon to go to battle. He started out with 32,000 men to go to battle. God said, well, that's too many. That's too many. Any of those that are fearful, want to go home to their families, go. 22,000 left. So he's left with 10,000 men. God says, nah, that's still too many. Still too many people. So he had them go down to the water. Some lapped and some got down to the water and licked the water like a dog out of a bowl. God said, send these home. He's left with 300 men to go against an entire army. Gideon and God's army won because God was with them. Gideon purposed in his heart that he would trust God. Do we purpose in our heart that God will bless us, that God will watch over us, that we can trust Him no matter the consequences, even if it means losing our lives? Can we trust God with every aspect and every area of our lives? Can we bless Him or trust Him with our finances? Because if God can take 300 men instead of 32,000, God can take $300 and do what we could do with $32,000. Do you trust Him that much? Because God can do it. Do you purpose in your heart to commit to God your finances? Do you purpose in your heart to commit to God your marriage? Do you make a commitment in your heart, a purpose in your heart that I will be faithful to my spouse for the rest of my life? Take it serious. That's a faithful commitment too. No matter what, I will purpose in my heart to be faithful. Do we purpose in our heart to be faithful to God? To trust in Him? You know, we were talking just recently about the six-day war for Israel. In six days, I looked a little bit of that history up. June 5th, 1967. That morning, Israel sent 200 aircraft from Israel. They swooped over the Mediterranean and they surprised Egypt, a much, much larger nation with a greater military. They destroyed 90% of their aircraft that morning. They were helpless, Egypt was, because Israel surprised them. So they was at war with Jordan, Syria, Iraq, and Egypt. For six days, they gave them a weapon. Israel came out the victor. If God can do that with Israel against all those nations, can't we purpose in our hearts to trust God with our little lives? To know that He can do greater things than we can even imagine. Greater things than we can imagine. Purpose, determining our hearts to be faithful. That's my 
call on you today. Can you, will you, purpose in your heart as Daniel? Dare to be a Daniel. I've heard that term many times over the years. Dare to be a Daniel. I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about our diet. I'm talking about the faithfulness, the trusting that Daniel had for God. Can you trust God the way Daniel and his three friends trusted God? Dare to purpose in your heart to trust God the way they did. The trust that He can do anything. Anything that He desires. Because our God is true. He is the true God and the faithful God. Amen?